Romans 8. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 4 again today. And just let me ask you this. Is, is there a better passage for us to be in on a communion Sunday than this particular passage? Uh, uh, I thank the Lord for timing, His timing in the midst of these things. Let us read, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give thanks for Your Word. And and Lord, even now I pray that You'd pour out Your Holy Spirit upon us. Open our eyes that we may see You. Father, if there's someone within the hearing of this sermon that is yet blinded by sin that is still in darkness lord perform that miracle of mercy open their eyes and draw them to yourself lord and for those of us who are born again for those of us who are in christ help us to see all the more the glory of christ the cross the sacrifice and your great love and it's in christ's name i pray amen i know we've talked about now, this verse one quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, but <laughs> what a what a glorious statement. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we know that we all once were condemned. All of us. Once all condemned, all guilty before most holy God, all held accountable under God's holy wrath all condemned under the law which we could not keep. But Christ came. Praise the Lord. But Christ came. And for those who believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are transformed. We are transferred from the kingdom of darkness and death into the kingdom of light and eternal life. For those in Christ, we are no longer under the law, but we are under what? Grace. We are under grace. And the passage from Romans 3, I believe, states it so well. So let's read it again today. Romans 3, and let's read 19 through 26. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Why? Why does it speak? that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. (laughs) How is it revealed? Well, how about in in a baby born in a manger? How about there? Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all 
and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. See, Jesus came, we know, we know. Um, we're, again, we're reminding you, we're reminding you. Jesus came to be the propitiation, the payment, the ransom for sin for all who would believe. We are justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. No other way to God the Father, no other way to be saved than by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, Him alone. No other way to God the Father. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth. Whom God set forth. I put up uh, Romans 8, 3. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. Here, let me ask, what, what couldn't the law do? It couldn't save anybody. It couldn't justify anybody. The law can only reveal sin. The, all, the, the law can only make sin known, that, that we might know the exceeding sinfulness of sin. That's why the law was given. That's why we have the law today that we can still look at, that we might know sin. Paul said, how would I have known covetousness unless the law had told me, thou shalt not covet? For what the law could not do then in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. Don't, don't look over that. God did. Th think about this. God set forth His Son as a propitiation for sin by His blood. God sent His Son to the world that Christ Himself created. Why? Why? On account of sin. On account of sin. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He sent forth His Son. God set forth. God did. Now think about this. Because I, as I was thinking about this, think, think. God loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for us that we might be saved from His wrath. You ever kind of put that together? God loved us so much that He sent forth His Son to save us from His own wrath. God sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, born of a virgin, given a human body, but born of God in the likeness of sinful flesh. Now, let me read a few verses that talks about that. How about Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, because he knew, we, we, Scripture tells us that, that Christ and the Father are one. If you, know, if you know me, you know the Father. 
but made himself, Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. That's what it said there in, in 8.3 in Romans, uh, in the likeness of sinful flesh. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, Christ humbled himself and took on flesh. Was his flesh different than our flesh? No. He, he felt pain just like we do. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh in a human body. Still God, but he laid aside his glory to come to be born on the earth that he created in the likeness of human form. Sinful flesh. Colossians 2 verses 9 and 10. For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Now read, let's put that verse 3 up again in Romans 8. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. God condemned sin in the flesh. And he did this, how? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, for sin. In other words, the ground of our freedom from condemnation is the work of Christ for us on the cross. That the ground of our freedom from condemnation, there's therefore now no condemnation, that the foundation of that is the work of Christ upon the cross. The spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death because God condemned sin in His Son's death. In Christ's suffering and death on the cross, God executed a final sentence of condemnation on the sin of everyone who is in Christ. Sin was condemned. It received its full and just sentence and penalty for all who believe in Christ. Child of God, we know that it was our sin that was condemned in the suffering and death of Christ because Jesus had no sin. Don't... Don't, don't let that go by either. Christ had no sin. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he, for God the Father, made him, Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, for he made him who knew no sin. That was Christ. He knew no sin, ever. So him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And, and I know I, I talk about this so often, about that great exchange that took place upon the cross for those who believe. Our sins imputed to Him. He bore our sins upon the cross. His righteousness imputed to us. That, that we stand holy, blameless, and above reproach before God the Father someday, because we are clothed in a robe of righteousness, not of our own, but of Christ. So praise His holy name, yes? There was no sin 
in Jesus Christ to condemn. Jesus had no sin. His flesh was human. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but he was not sinful. Jesus knew no sin. He never sinned. Of of all the people who had ever lived, Jesus is the only one who didn't deserve to die. Jesus, the only person who ever lived that didn't deserve to suffer, but he died and he suffered for me and for you, child of God. Think about that. He took our sin upon himself he bore my sin upon the cross. Let, let's read some verses. Talks about that. First Peter 2, verse 24. He himself, talking of Jesus, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Healed from your condition of sin. That's what it's talking about. Oh, when you read that, and if you didn't know that was Peter, you think that's Paul. That, that, it, wouldn't you? The same message. But, but that's the gospel, isn't it? It's the same message. Whether it's Paul, whether it's Peter, whether it's any of the other apostles, that's the message. He was delivered up Upon the cross for my sin. In Romans 4 verse 25. In talking of Jesus, Paul wrote this. Who was delivered up because of our offenses. And again, put yourself in a verse there. My offenses. And was raised. He rose from the dead because of our justification. My justification. He died for my sin. 1 Corinthians 15 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He died for my sin. He gave Himself for our sins. In Galatians 1, verses 4 and 5. Who gave Himself for our sins. Why? That He might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. We should never cease from giving Him glory. We should never cease from saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. We sang the old hymn this morning, Revive Us Again, and that chorus, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In response of knowing what He has done, that should be our response. Forever and ever, hallelujahs to His precious name. Let's go back to Peter. 1 Peter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins. Let me pause there for a minute. He suffered once for sin. He died on the cross once. Never To be represented again. Never to be placed back upon the cross again. No need. He suffered once for sin. The just for the unjust. Why? That He might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh but made alive 
by the Spirit. Jesus went to the cross. He died for my sin. He was pierced for my transgression. Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, laid on Jesus Christ, laid on his only begotten son, you see, the iniquity of us all. By his wounds, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace, for my peace, was upon him. And through him, we might be saved. It was our sin that was condemned in the suffering and death of Christ, not His. Jesus had no sin. He came and died on account of sin in Romans 8, verses 33 and 34. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. He Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He died, but rose victorious over death. He was delivered up. He died for our offenses, and He was raised for our justification. So if the question ever arises, who can condemn God's elect, you can quickly and faithfully and boldly say, nobody. Nobody, because it is God who justified me. It is God who justified me. And it is Christ who died that I might be justified by His blood. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, because when Jesus died, God was condemning sin, sentencing it, and punishing it completely and fully and finally for all who are in Christ by faith. Final. It was my sin that was being condemned and sentenced and punished completely and fully and finally when Christ died. Child of God, think of it that way. Make it personal to yourself. And if it was my sin that was punished there upon that cross, I will not be punished for it. No condemnation. There is no other argument that will hold up in the final courtroom of heaven than this argument. Christ died for my sin. Christ bore my condemnation. Did you you get the depths of that? That if we would stand before most holy God. And if accusations would be made toward us. Point to the cross. But Christ died for my sin. Paid in full. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ absorbed All the divine wrath that would have and should have come to me and you, child of God. Think about that. There's an old hymn, and 
Yeah, eternal wrath. Saved. It's either eternal life in Christ in heaven or eternal wrath in hell. Yes. There's this, an old hymn, and I don't know the lyric of this old hymn. Maybe some of you do, but the title of it is, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. I'm just going to look and see if anybody's heard of that one. It was written back back in the back in the uh, mid 1800s. Uh, the the put the chorus. I need no other argument. Imagine yourself standing there. Uh, imagine accusers all around. I I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Isn't that a great lyric? I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. God the Father sent his son Jesus into the world that he might condemn sin in the flesh. That the once and forever ransom for sin would be paid in full for all who believe. The law couldn't do it, never could, and never will. Only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross may our sins be forever forgiven. Let's go to Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 14, and consider the wondrous message that's found within these verses, this passage of Scripture. Hebrews 10, 1 through 14. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come. See, that's the Old Testament, right? Types and shadows of that which was to come, which is Christ. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. We talked about it. Paul talks about it. The law can justify no one. The law can save no one, only Christ. Verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers once purified would have had no consciousness of sin. And that goes back to that verse that we read. And Christ suffered once, once for all, and then completely saved. We are saved to the uttermost in Christ Jesus. No need for him to go to the cross again. Him going to the cross was sufficient For all who would believe. For all who would believe. Let's go to verse 3. But in those sacrifices, talking about those that were sacrificed years ago under that system. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. Why? Because it couldn't completely take away sin. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he, when Jesus, came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you, talking of the Father, did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. He came, what? In the likeness of 
sinful flesh. And here he's saying, but a body, Father, you have prepared for me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. You had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. And I want to pause there as I do quite often about those verses. Well, well, why wasn't God pleased with that? Why, 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 he's the one that instituted it. So how could you say he had no pleasure in it? Because it was a type of and a shadow of that which was to come, in which God the Father took great pleasure. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Do we see that? Do we understand that? Verse 9. But He, but Jesus, said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And he takes away the first that he may establish the second. The first what? First covenant. That he may establish what? The new covenant in my blood. The second. By that will. By what will? My will? No, the will of God. By the will of God. Mary said, I have come to do your will. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. If there's a religion that's out there and it's doing that today, it can never take away sin. Verse 12, I said, boy, I love this part. But this man, this Jesus, (laughs) this Savior, this Redeemer, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever and ever and ever and ever those who are being sanctified. Are you being sanctified this morning through Christ? Are you in Christ? Have you believed the gospel of Christ? It's the most important questions to be asked on the face of this planet to anyone. Let's read again John 3, verse 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Because if He wasn't lifted up on the cross, there would be no sacrifice for sin, and we would still be in our sin. So He must. Why? That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He didn't come to condemn the world because it was already condemned. He who believes in Him is not condemned. There's therefore now no condemnation. He who does not believe 
is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, for those who believe, for those who are in Christ, no condemnation. But for those who do not believe, for those who are not in Christ, there is nothing but condemnation. That's pretty rough, preacher. It is. But that's the truth. That's the truth. If you are not in Christ, if you're not a believer, a true believer in Christ, you are condemned right now. If, if that condition doesn't change by the time this old body goes back to the dust from where it came, you'll be condemned forever and ever. John 3.36 He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. The Bible is very clear. And it's very plain to all who God would grant ears to hear. Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb, to give his life a ransom for many, to pay in full the penalty of sin for all those who believe. So then the gospel call goes out. By faith, believe and receive Jesus Christ. Confess that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and repent of your sin, receiving Christ and turning from your sin and following Him. Romans 10, 9-13 That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes Unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. How many? All who call upon him. Will, will one be turned away that calls upon him in faith? No. No. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For all who are in Christ, may we never forget what God did, God did, in sending His only begotten Son. May we never forget what Christ did in going to the cross. And may we never forget that because of His sacrifice, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise His holy name. And Jesus left us a means, a way that we might remember Him, and that is through participation in the Lord's table, the communion table. Let's read 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he, betray, he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. 
And just, just in your mind, can, can you picture an upper room? Can you, can you picture this, this low table and, and these sitting around it to, to celebrate the Passover meal? And all the elements of the Passover meal are there. And out of all of those things, Jesus takes up two things off of that Passover meal and makes them his own to make this illustration. First, the bread. John 6, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. If you drop down a little further, verse 50 and 51. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. That's why Jesus came. That's why I came. Then uh, after the bread, he takes the cup. And of the cup, he talked about a new covenant in my blood. In, In Matthew 26, verse 28. And this is my blood of the new covenant. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. For what? For the remission of sins. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing, nothing can wash away our sins but the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14. He, Jesus, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So He, God the Father, God the Father sent His Son. He, God the Father, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the blood of Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, verse 7 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. You see, Jesus willingly gave Himself for us. He died for me, child of God. He died for you. And Jesus said to take the bread and the cup and remember Him. Remember what He has done on our behalf. Remember how much God loved us. One more verse. 1 John 4.10 And this is love. 
Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the ransom, the payment for our sin. He loved us so much that He sent His Son to die to save us from His own wrath. Isn't that amazing? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. Father, how can we cease from giving thanks for the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ? How can we cease from giving thanks for such a great salvation by which we might be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ? And so, Father, again, Should there be someone who has listened to this sermon, I pray, Lord, that that you are opening eyes, opening ears that they may hear the truth and that they might believe. Grant them faith, Father, that they might believe and then grant them repentance as they would cry out before you, most holy God, that they are a sinner repenting of their sins. Father, then help them as they receive Christ, to continue to repent all the days of their life and to continue walking with Christ every day. And Father, for us who are in Christ, Lord, we give you thanks and help us. Help us every day. We need you. Every hour, we need you. Every moment, every second, Father, we need you. And help us that we would walk with Christ, that we would follow your word, and that we would love you and love Christ. So pour out your Spirit upon us even now. Help us to be reminded of, of all that Christ has done as we prepare to come to this communion table. And it is in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.